You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. You know, we all have that one special dog hanging out on the porch. He's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. All these things you like coming together to make one superb dog. That was exactly what we had in mind when we made this show. Welcome to All Mixed Up. Chad Reynolds. What's up, man? Nothing much, dude. Just uh, living life, getting the season going strong. It's winter time. It's finally here. It's time for me to play. Finally, <laughs> I've been, I've been dying. I've been dying. It's finally here. But now I got a million and one things. I'm getting pulled in so many different directions. I don't know which, which way to play the most right well, now. Well, that's what you get for having like a thousand different kinds of hunting dogs. <laughs> I can't help myself. Just one more, right? They're, they're habit forming. You know. They really are. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, trying my best to just stay in one lane and uh, just travel around and meet other people. <laughs> Do it for both of us. Yeah, Cause I have failed. Miserably. <laughs> so you, you be the smart guy for both of us. What have you been up to lately, man? Uh, well, um, been taking the retrievers out, having a little fun doing this, this, I got this pond up on the mountain and it is ate up with coots. I mean, absolutely ate up. There used to be a bunch of other ducks there. Now, now they're starting to move, but like I watched it happen. I was like scoping it out and seeing all the ducks there, all the mallards and even some canvas backs and everything was looking great. 
And then in came some coots and they all left. And it's just a giant coot pond now. And I had these fantasies of all the cool hunting I was going to do there and everything great. And, and now it's just a giant coot pond. And, uh, uh, I, I've begun the, the, the coot. You heard it first on Houndsman XP, everybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Chad is having coot fantasies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, it's fun with the type of dogs I have, you know, they're like little, they're like little flushing dogs. I'm using them in the water and it was hilarious is they can swim next to me. And I just reach out and grab their antenna on the tracking collar. And, uh, they pull me in the water. <laughs> my, my, my lazy butt doesn't even have to paddle. They'll pull me out and I'll, I'll you know, the coots will start flapping over to one side and I just hold on and they'll bark and just drag me across the pond until we get close. I let go. They go in and flush them out and I shoot them and I'm just trying to get rid of them. I, there's so many of them, but, uh, the, you know, I cut out some good parts for the dogs and I have a lot of pigs. So it all gets used 100% and I'm using, you know, non-lead. So it, it works out great. So I've been having a lot of fun with that, trying to get the bird ready for falconry season and a million other things. But yeah, that's, that's the funnest thing I'm doing right now is a little bit of coot, um, Chad, Chad is is setting the standard on so many things, but here you go. You've heard of ski drawing. That's where like a dog pulls you on skis. You've heard of bike drawing where people ride a bike and have harness dogs pull them. Chad Reynolds, kayak drawing. He's in here <laughs> having paddle dogs pull him around. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be really funny if I hook it up to the front. The problem is I hold them midway so that my nose kind of gets left or right so i just drop my kayak paddle into one mm, side i can mm-hmm, rudder it back mm-hmm. into it but yeah it, it's not bad <laughs> they, they get they get moving you know uh, i a, saw that you have snow on the ground yeah and those dogs will still get in the water that oh, yeah yeah their dogs are crazy man i i got a video i'm gonna try and work it into something somewhere but yeah i went paddling out on the kayak thinking i'd i'd plop right through but i kind of slid out there for a while and then all the ice started cracking and i fell through and paddled out and then they just kind of pushed through, you know, they let all the ice, you know, the, the, the big not boulders, you know, they're maybe little ice chunks that says like dinner birds, kind of shoulder them out. <laughs> what do you call them? Icebergs. Yeah. Bergs, icebergs. Yeah. yeah. Icebergs. Yeah. They're about the size of dinner plates, but they just got to shoulder them out of the way and go after it. But I, I knew they were good for it, you know, cause they love jumping in the water on their own time when it's that cold. But I will say, I think I found their, unacclimated limit for it because they started getting a little chilly you know and uh not yeah. swimming <laughs> i was like okay time to get out of there but it was about the hour mark up until an hour in the water they were 100 percent fine and in, in frozen water like you know so that's so crazy that's so crazy my dogs have no fur on like 50 percent of their body so it would be like me getting in that water and swimming pronto and calypso would be dead popsicles in like five <laughs> minutes probably <laughs> yeah. it it yeah, yeah, it's cold. It, it, it's cold. My butt went numb sitting in the bottom of the kayak. And that's even with it has some styrofoam and then <clears> plastic <throat> seat and then a cushion. And it I was still tingly. It, I was going numb in it. And, you know, I, I always I, I love dogs. Duh. I respect mm-hmm. them. It's unbelievable. You would have to beat me like a bass drum to get me to get in that water. I don't care. I'd just run away if I was a dog. You know what I mean? I'm not getting in that icy water. Drots are crazy. Your dogs are crazy. So good work, man. I mean, that's an amazing feat. I've actually, uh, I think about this often. I really love the biology and like physiology of dogs. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, that you can breed an animal that is like, yep, yep. I'll get in this water and just swim around. Yep. Yep. That sounds awesome. Are you or like those terriers at the trials they're just like yeah no i'll run up there and bite that pig it's like 10 times my weight sure 
Sounds get, great. Let's do it. I can't wait. In its mouth, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, uh, uh, oh, I was going to ask you, uh, what are you flying this year? What, what are you going to get? What are you getting ready to fly this season? A Jur Falcon. Uh, she's, this will be her third season. And uh, uh, what I'm doing with her is kind of really fun for me, you know, running her with this, with the sight hound. So you dig it, you know? And uh, those poor jackrabbits. Oh yeah, it's, it's they don't they 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 it's a hard, they have a rough go of it. I'll, I'll be honest. If they get to the sage, they get to like get away. But if they're in the open, they got a hard time with the falcon and the dogs on them. Um, but yeah, this will be going into her third season. She got a little bit of an injury last season, hitting some sage kind of hard, and I shut her down early. And I'm bringing her out and starting to work her out, and <clears throat> she's not showing any soreness or stiffness. So I think I think we're totally fine. You know, had her checked out, of course, but you know. It, it's hard to tell with sprains and strains, you know, but she's fine. Mm-hmm. She's got this white stripe on her head. Kind of looks like a skunk. So I named her Cruella after, you know, the 101 <laughs> the big female. She's mean. So, and this is the yeah. one that you had in Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah. At the Terry trials. That was, that was her. That yep. was her. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. They're, they're fun. You have a way more diverse going on. That's what I was telling everyone. It's just, <laughs> as far as me, my dogs have come out of the gate massacring. I've had a wonderful season so much so that I've actually grown a lot like in this last two or three months. You know, when I first started hunting, I was like, I just wanted to make sure I can catch a rabbit. Like I wanted to know my dogs can do it and succeed. And I really just wanted to like pile them up. And I think as you grow in this sport, this lifestyle, you, um, you really just want to see great dog work. And so this season, I just, I'm excited. I wanted to get all my dogs out and run them, but my four together is like devastating. Like to the point where too I'm much. just like, man, too much. It's too, too much. much. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, when they were younger, we'd run four dogs and it was a great race. You know what I mean? Like they were young, they're learning their pups. But then now that my, all my dogs are experienced, I'm breaking them apart. Yeah. I'm going to run them in duos. I was running them in duos at the end of last season and I was having a lot of fun and, uh, you know, Comet was still a puppy. So it was really just three. I had like three mature adults, which is kind of where my limit is anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm really happy that like I went out Saturday and just, dude, I just cleaned them up. You know what I mean? I always stop at two, no matter what I stop at two hairs. I don't want to deplete the resource and I just want to always have them out there. So I stopped at two, but I was blown away at how efficient my pack was. Their teamwork was really good. And I was like, dang, man, I want these races to go longer. I want it to be a more um, even duel. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm really happy that I felt that way. And uh, we're all growing, you know. And so I'm going to break up my pack, run them in different configurations. And uh, you didn't have a little bit longer than a 45-second race. <laughs> you plan to run your Salukis together and your others together? Oh, yeah. And, okay. I was yeah, sure I want to run my Salukis. Like, one with a little more the endurance and one without well yeah i guess that would yeah pair them up with like 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 styles that'd definitely be the best way to go wouldn't it then the thing is is my greyhounds well they're greyhound saluki crosses but they're mostly greyhound um my i just call my greyhounds but my greyhounds they're five and a half and i mean they're not spring chickens Mm -hmm. but what always surprises me and still is surprising me is dude they're still monsters out there they are still beasts i was blown away this year they are just Dude, I swear they started, uh, my females especially started this season off better than last season because she is a beast, like mm-hmm. all over these rabbits. I, 
patrons stay tuned i got some sick videos coming uh, your way and yeah it was it's hard to she, get good videos of that it's not there's so hard really dude. nowhere else to go <laughs> you can find some youtube videos of like you know foreign places with some good stuff but we got we got some of the best coursing videos you can see on well you know, thanks with your dog <laughs> to be honest you know like there's those awesome ones i could i could i could tell you you've probably seen them too i could tell you right now but they're all in other countries and stuff but as far as like just quality rabbit course yeah, spain right there and can see it you got some of the best stuff right there and 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 i i can't wait to see more so don't just tease us keep them coming man i love it <laughs> yeah um i'm gonna i'm gonna meet up with a, a, a whole gang of friends um we're gonna walk in a big gallery and my buddy has a drone He's going to fly it overhead while we're just walking. And hopefully within two hours, we can jump one and get the race on drone. So stay tuned, patrons. That's going to happen, too. I'm going to have a big old gang of friends out there. I'm trying to get about 15, 20 people and their kids out there just raising heck and walking around through the grass. And I'm going to slip my two Salukis after it. So that should be a long, epic race. So um, there's going to be cool stuff in the pipeline. But enough about me. Everybody knows what I'm up to. Just chasing a superior life form. Um, <laughs> we've been up to a lot of stuff lately. The Houndsman X crew, XP crew has been on the move. And, uh, we were just in Tyler, Texas for the terrier trials. I am totally missing the whole long titles. The American hunting terrier association. That's right. I think so. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I saw a lot of names there, so I want to make sure I got that right. <laughs> but I, uh, I want to hear your perspective, buddy. Cause my perspective is always the same. Wow. That was fun. I learned a lot and I saw some stuff that I'd never seen before everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, I saw a lot of Yag Terriers. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. There, there was a pile of people. It was a nice turnout. They've moved the date just a little bit. So some people did back out. Um, but it was still a nice turnout and it's mainly a, a lot of people there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> You know, of course, predominantly Yag Terriers, but there's some Patterdales there, some some Jack Russells there. But, you know, it's a Yag Terrier event. So there's a particularly talented Jack Russell, I might yeah. add. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it it was pretty crafty. Um, they uh, <laughs> yeah, they all they all did well. You know, I thought it was I thought it was great. They had the, you know, the actual, you know, earth type tunnel and um the you know that little thunder tunnel thing set up where it was glass on one side and i didn't do testing in that but it allows you to observe your dog and it's a great way to start puppies so you can kind of i thought that thing was cool (laughs) it was really cool the lights that went all the way through it were really neat you know it was all red you know on the inside you know yeah (laughs) and of course the retrieving and like i said the go to ground the hog bay the retrieving the treeing and the track, you know, so there's a lot of good events and the dogs perform well, you know, they had some of the favorites out there, you know, and I don't want to list too many names or anything because that will always leave somebody out. But a lot of the crowd favorites were there and uh, yeah, it, was, it was a blast. I had a great time. Um, the, all the, there were some of your breedings there. Yeah. Yeah. I got right now. I, you know, I, I, I get into so many different things and, and, and right now I'm working on a few other projects, learning, trying to see what I want to do with them. So I got, I got some fellas around me that, you know, are hunting the heck out of my terriers for me. And then have even, you know, done so well with them. They're, they're starting to do some of their own breedings with them. And, uh, uh, so that, you know, my dogs did well to me, they performed the way I want them to, you know, I, I, you know, the, the, the standard, you know, that the competition's there for the Bay, um, you know, you want them to, to, to go in and keep eyes on the hog and bay and bark and uh, keep them keep them cornered and uh, 
uh, and not make contact. If the hog is bait up and they just want to sit there and almost hypnotize them, like, yep, look at me. Don't run away. Just keep looking at me, you know? And if the hog does rush him, he's supposed to turn away and keep his eyes back over his shoulder. And, you know, and that's what, that's what, you know, that's what it's about. And uh, mine do fairly well. What was your favorite event? Uh, the hog bay, of course, man. That's the rodeo. That's, <laughs> that's the party right there. You know, I like to evaluate nose more than anything, you know, and that could be hard in trials, mm. you know, like, and they, they, they give it a, as good a shot yeah. as you can, you know? Um, <clears throat> you know, so my favorite part about them is their nose, but if I'm going to the trial, the best part is watching them, you know, like a 12, 15 pound animal bang, like a, 250 pound beast a mastodon tusk <laughs> it's, it's neat watching them um, mastodon. So, yeah that's my favorite yeah i missed a lot of the events what's that I, I actually missed a lot of the events because um i uh was running around with the mic furiously oh. <laughs> yeah i heard you and saw you all over the place i was like oh that's got another one you know <laughs> you got him in that was good. i was high powered scurrying yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, and I heard a lot of laughing, but too. I mean, you got, you must've had some good stuff going on. I didn't get to quite <laughs> listen into a lot of them, you know, uh, but I, I heard well, you will now, <laughs> so like, I know it's gotta be good. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm just going to say it now, guys, stay tuned because, uh, half of the interviews that I got out there just running around, um, will be in this episode and, uh, some more will be later in other episodes. There were so many of them. I wasn't going to put them all in this episode, but it was a short uh, interview style where I just run up to somebody, jam a mic in their face and say three things you look for in a hunting terrier and your name go. And I'd stick it in their face. So um, it was <laughs> a great time. Off guard, I dude. live for that. Those are like legit, you know, responses. They didn't like have overnight to prepare or anything like that. That was <laughs> Yeah. Very was much for like the said, moment. <laughs> Hi, I'm Seth. Tell me now, Mike. <laughs> so that's great. That's great. Yeah. I feel like if you asked me that for running dogs, I could fire them off pretty quick, though. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the problem can be water retrieving time. ability. <laughs> What'd you say? I <laughs> just kidding. I was all water retrieving ability. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> number one. <laughs> yeah, they crash yeah. ice. Very important. Yeah, um, but yeah, the versatile dog thing. That, well, so I bet you did get a bunch of unique responses because the the versatile terrier, the whole thing. You know, like some people tree squirrel with them, some people run hogs with them, a lot of people do barn bustings and earthwork raccoons that you know they can do um uh, yeah they can do a lot of a lot of different things so it'd be it'd probably be exciting to hear you know what everybody thought was most important you know because there's some people that all they do is pigs that's it you know and other people all they do is neutral rats you know and, and they just dig those so I, i'd be i'd be interested in hearing what you know all different guys had to say i was really blown away at the uniformity of the answers honestly oh, that's that right? what i was most surprised about there was a lot of like-minded people there Okay. Well, that's good about the club. You know, that's, so, that's what's good about the club. It kind of helps promote, you know, a type of sorts, you know, while and maintaining what a Yag Terrier is, the mm -hmm. versatile, you know, aspect. It's not a one trick pony. It's, you know, yeah. it may not be the best at any one task and some of them they are, but they're not supposed to be, a, you know, a specialist. They're supposed to be, you know, good at everything, you know, and, and, and holding on to that is hard. It's, it's really hard. So you could have a fantastic mm -hmm. breeder. And a, and a great dog man and if he only does one thing with him they they can kind of lose the other aspects of it so that's what's kind of cool about the club you know it allows you to take your dogs that are mm -hmm. some of the best hog hunting dogs in the in the you know in the south but then you know put them in the tunnel 
you know, and they've never been in a tunnel, you know, and, and grade the genetics there, you know, so it's, it's fun. I always have a blast and it's, mm-hmm. it's cool. The Yak Terrier event is kind yeah. of unlike other, other, uh, dog trials. It's like a circus, you know, you can, you can get away with a lot of stuff there. It's, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. You get some wild characters and everything. So that's one of my favorite parts. Those little dogs are maniacs, maniacs. That's the, I mean, if you had a dog that was 150 pounds, that had the attitude of those little monsters you'd have no arm. <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot of people say that and they do, there are some folks that do bite work with them now. And they're, you know, that's kind of like a, um, a <laughs> very niche. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't, you know, a lot of the people yeah. it's a hunting dog and it's only a hunting dog. And I, I, I get that. And I, I agree with that in a lot of ways, but I had one that lost her leg. Um, and on a, just a freak accident, lost her leg and I ran out of stuff to do with her. She could not, it wasn't during hunting, you know, it was a, just a husbandry issue. Um, but they, uh, after that she couldn't keep up, you know, so I ran out of things to do with her and she's a little 12 pound Yag Terrier female. And, uh, I did protection work with her, you know, bite work. And it was a, it was a party. Yeah, she was a lot, I named the little dog came and she had this tiny little muzzle. It was almost like a set of needle nose pliers, you know, with giant teeth. She had bigger teeth <laughs> than like bulldogs, you know, as a, in a 12 pound dog's body. And she'd walk around and they'd hang out of her lips. It was hilarious. She looked like Dracula or something like that, but, um, she loved doing bite work. Hey, I think you actually posted a video to that on the uh, on the uh, Patreon page too. Little Cayman doing, mm, mm, I did. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, going straight for the ankles. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're heck on ankles, man. From the knees down, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you just just ground up. You hey, know? you can't run. You nah, can't run nah, if you don't have nah. ankles. It's like it's like you're being slowly <laughs> dropped into a garbage disposal or something. You know, just chew you up from the toes. <laughs> a, a, a wood chipper. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, angry, we gotta, we gotta, we're gonna break down the, we're gonna break down the, um, the terrier trials even more in depth because we also went there with two other rad dudes, uh, Chris Powell, you guys may know him, and a good friend of mine who you also have heard many times on the Houndsman XP podcast, especially you patrons, actually only you patrons, but a bunch of times, my good friend and great friend of the show, Michael Sula. We're going to have a recording about the Terrier Trials in more depth because I took Chris out. Well, we all went out, but Chris got to see his first Sighthound action, and it was catching pigs, which was really rad. I want to hear what he has to say about that. And uh, we're going to um, be talking about some other people. I met some pretty rad people at the Terrier Show, and uh, I'm going to be having one of those guys on the show again. I'm uh, talking about one of my favorite topics, but I'm going to keep that a secret. <laughs> so... uh Let's move into the next segment, Chad. Um, we'll keep we'll get back to the terrier stuff. Like I said, there's it's not over yet. <laughs> but uh let's get into the news segment. Uh we want to bring the news back. Uh we started with it and all mixed up, and just to the very nature of all mixed up, uh we changed it up. <laughs> but I want to bring the news back. So um I went straight to the news desk over there at Sportsman's Alliance, you guys. Um if you haven't been to Sportsman's Alliance, you guys need to go there, sportsmansalliance.org. That is going to give you a lot of resources about legislation and things that you need to be paying attention to. And I am just going to say this now. If you join us at the $12 level at patreon.com, um, you get an automatic subscription to Sportsman's Alliance, not to mention all the bonus material, all of the um, uh, tailgate talks, monthly drawings, all kinds of sweet stuff that we got going on there, deep discount codes. So uh, houndsmanxp.com, go to the supporters tab and you can get a free membership to Sportsman's Alliance. It's one way we can give back to you guys in a, as a way of thanking you for helping us here at Houndsman XP. 
And, and so by men- saying that, um, first news article that popped up, Lauren actually posted it to the Facebook page um, about a week ago. But I want to bring it up here, give it a little airtime. So uh, Montana has uh, had two animal extremist groups try to halt the wolf hunt, Wild Earth Guardians and Project Coyote. Um, they're trying to end the wolf hunting and trapping. And uh, you guys, obviously, we know <clears throat> wolves are pretty rough on our tree hounds. And uh, <clears throat> I'm just going to say this right now, you guys. This is my official stance on this. Wolves need to be hunted just like any other animal that we're conserving. That's right. I mean, it's a no-brainer. You can't just leave nature to itself. That's a total pipe dream from people that don't know anything about nature. I'm not advocating wiping them all out. I think they do have an important place in the ecosystem. But I'm going to be very honest. They cannot exist in the numbers they once did. That's my opinion. But I think it's kind of realistic in that wolves will just never exist in all the places they used to because now people live there and people and wolves just don't really get along. And yeah. it's easy for somebody in that lives in a city to be like, oh, I want wolves back everywhere they live. But then they don't have to worry about them eating their dogs, eating their livestock, bothering their operation. So I don't know. I think it's just a, you know, wolves are super charismatic and they're trying to stop that hunt because they have extremely fake um realities of what living with top carnivores is and yeah chad you got anything to add to that because i yeah. was about to go into a whole nother spiel here oh yeah, yeah no i got strong opinions <laughs> on that i mean it's i guess it goes back to you know the way that nature used to go there used to be these giant swaths of land that were connected and you know if there was ever disease that wiped out this area it could be repopulated from this connected area or that connected area you know and uh that's just not the, the way things are anymore there's like there, there's too many you know, not necessarily too many humans but there's too many humans for that you know like uh feast and famine right. where the deer would get overpopulated and the wolves would turn into this or whatever predator would turn into this super predator group and bring them back down and then they would the numbers would decline and then the best of that predator group would pass on their genetics and the weaker sides of it would be starved out or something like and it's that feast and famine high population high predators low population low predators and nowadays if that happened some sickness went through they'd be smeared out of the area they'd be gone you know that feast and famine stuff just can't work with the way our wildlife areas are are cut into these small little oasises in the middle of giant massive populations of humans so it of people yeah there there was a day you could just yeah. leave it and it would if you know things got too hot here they would kind of filter back in from this other area but like some of these elk herds are isolated and if you wipe them out they they aren't getting populated back in or, or whatever so yeah i just I, the idea like you said of letting just leaving them be and letting nature you can't do that anymore nothing can just be left alone humans are it's too involved realistic indirectly <laughs> they can't just and directly (laughs) yeah we have to participate in it because we have changed the landscape in in so many ways so the idea of just leaving it around is 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 childish we have to be involved and we need science to do it and you can't just let emotion control (laughs) nature like that and that goes for both sides i think that's really important for being a balanced individual is that it's you can't let emotion rule you on both sides. And I know what you're thinking. It's easy for you to say, Seth, your dogs aren't getting killed by wolves. I get that. 
I fully understand that, and you're right. But I am going to say that let the science work on all sides. And I'm going to say this right now, you guys, being informed and being having your, you know, Chris has talked about this a lot, and it's good leadership skills when you have these important science-backed talking points ready to go. And I've said it before on the show a while ago. I'm going to say it again now. You always see this headline, top predators need to be managed. Top predators need to be managed. Well, that's just kind of almost as inflammatory as being like, you know, leave the wolves alone and just let them balance themselves out. The thing about top predators needing to be managed is that's actually true and based in real wildlife management science. And here's why. I'm going to keep it super simple so that it can just soak in and you can kind of formulate how you want to say it. Okay, we just talked about how you have a big deer population, then the mountain lion population rises behind it, and then the mountain lions bring the deer population down as the mountain lion population increases, and then the deer population goes way down, the mountain lion population is still really high, then theoretically their population would decline because there's no deer on the landscape, just like you said. Here is the problem. Not only are populations isolated sometimes, um, you know, it's definitely realistic part of our life, but humans also like hunting deer okay and if the deer population is really really low and then humans want to hunt the deer too you can knock a population of deer down to the point where they can't recover without aid and that critical mass where the population can collapse is different for every region every species blah 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 it's very complex that's the thing i'm trying to get over here to everybody and if the mountain lion population is still really really high and the deer population is really, really low, they can't recover. They can't. And the mountain lion population will decrease on its own. It will. The problem is, is there will the deer population is now at that critical low where it's not going to recover. And I'm just using it super simple. A lot of other stuff kills deer besides hunters. Uh, cars, disease, starvation, the cold, all kinds of things. So that population is low. You're going to have a lot of trouble with that. So what we need to do is artificially drop the population of top carnivores to a level that is sustainable where the populations of their prey, the deer in this case, can recover on their own or stay at a sustainable level because we really don't want those crazy fluctuations in their population because we're trying to manage this population for multiple use. You want the population to stay healthy and stable. Now, that doesn't mean insanely overpopulated. And that is the point I'm trying to make. There is some benefits to having top carnivores on the landscape. That's one of them. And also keeping populations of animals moving. I'm not ever going to have sympathy for people that like think that elk are all going to get wiped out because there's wolves on the landscape. Wolves and elk lived here way before people lived here and there was both. All right. I am saying there needs to be less wolves than there once was probably way less. I'm also a huge advocate for states rights in managing these things because I don't live in Montana and I don't have to deal with wolves. So <laughs> let the Montanans deal with wolves because yeah. I don't live in Montana. So anyway, that's my whole spiel. If you're advocating for top predator management, which I think any serious wildlife manager and any person that's real about conservation is you should kind of have those basic concepts of predator control in your holsters ready to go because they're a big touchy subject. And anyway, that's my soapbox. And uh, I hope you guys um, can add to that, hear that and get that as a foundation and go from there, modify it for your particular lifestyle. And yeah. 
good details to have. I think I think we all need to be ready for that because yeah, we run into them. You run into those people, you know, yeah, like a most of the time, something like that. <laughs> you know, don't need to beat them back down, but it helps to have a reply. It makes us seem like you know we know what we're doing, which we do. But sometimes if you don't have it ready, you seem uneducated. So if you you got you, like you said, have them in your holsters, have them in your tool bag there, and just be ready to pull them out should you get challenged in that way. And deliver them with confidence, calmly, and expect someone's mind not to be changed in the moment. And I think that's another key. Let that just simmer mm. and go on with your life. You will probably change some minds, but it takes time. So anyway. Even if you're not talking to them, like even if you're not talking to them, you know that person's never going to change their mind. You know, the, you know, there's definitely that type with both sides, but, you know, but the other people listening. That's who you're talking to, you know? So, and so, but like you say, calmly <laughs> tell them why they're being silly and uh, win some hearts. <laughs> so yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Well, you brought, uh, you brought a news article to the table, Chad. Why don't you break it down, brother? Yeah. I, I back where I used to live, Louisiana, you know, um, they got one they're fighting for now. They're, they're, you know, animal welfare and, you know, the animal rights groups are kind of two different things. I believe in animal welfare. Nobody likes to see a dog be neglected and starving and anything like that. But then at the same time, they can go to the other end of the spectrum and get a little crazy. And like, for example, in Louisiana, um, in order to be penalized for any kind of animal cruelty, the dog had to be proven that it was in bad health. You know, something there had to have been a victim, basically, you know, um, something wrong. Uh, and, uh, tethers, we all, you know, a lot of us use tethers from time to time. So it might be, uh, you know, an extended chain spot or, or temporary or moving things around. And they're trying to make it now that if your dog is not on a 15 foot long chain, which would give them a diameter, you know, a diameter of 30 feet, you know, so if you have a perfect dog in perfect health that lives out on the spot and if the, if their tether is 14 feet and 11 inches, you are now fined for animal cruelty. You are, you know, that you can have charges pressed against you. If, if the dog is in fine health, if he was on there temporarily, you can be fined for this. That's just absolutely ridiculous. And while at the same time, having a dog in a, in a, in a five by 10 to them would be 100% fine. You know, and if I, if I go by, you know, quick numbers here, you know, uh, square foot, a five by 15 foot kennel would have 50 square feet, you know, and that's okay <laughs> for them. But if we have a 30 foot diameter, that's 706 square feet. That's <laughs> so way bigger. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Incredibly 50 feet to 706 square feet. You know, it, they're just, they're get, getting outrageous. And if it's 705 square feet, you boom, you're hit with animal cruelty. Mm -hmm. Your charges pressed against you. They take your animals, they pin them, they charge you whatever it costs to have them taken care of while they're pressing charges on you. And they can adopt them out if they want to before, before they even decide whether you're guilty or not. So there, and that's why I like Sportsman's Alliance. They fight this stuff down. There's all kinds of hunting associations that I dig, that I'm a part of. I'm a, I'm a part yeah. of all of them. I donate to all of them. But for dog hunters, I, they do more for dog hunters than a lot of do specific dog hunting associations do. It's unreal, you know? Yeah. Not just 
for the deer hunters. And, you know, like I always call them the, the wood goats, you know, the white tailed goat hunters, you know, like I, I, my family's full of them. I just love chasing stuff with dogs. If I can't chase a dog, a deer with a dog, I, 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 you know, not bad. I just, I wanted to do another thing. <laughs> so I always you. like to pick on them and call them the, the white tailed goat hunters, you know? So there's a lot of hunting associations that protect them. Those guys, are, they're, they're sitting flush. Nobody likes the, no one's going to hurt them, but us, you know, the antis are after us dog hunters and, you know, the sportsman's Alliance, you can't click on their website and not see somewhere they're fighting back against people coming after us and our dogs. So I dig that. And that's just one example. Yeah. And where it was affecting where, you know, where I, I used to I, live, you know, I think uh, this is a perfect metaphor of use some nuance and they're totally just baiting on chain, bad fence, good. And it's like, obviously incredibly hollow and listen a dog can live a full fine life on a tether as mm-hmm. long as it get off and exercise and worked with and played with and whatever all the other things dogs need to have an enriching life who cares if it's on a tether that's way bigger than a kennel it's fine like yeah i don't know just because just because my dogs sleep on a couch does not mean i think all dogs like need to dogs live outside that's fine like that's where dogs have lived for like million years you know so dogs can live a wonderful life on a tether as long as they're taken care of. Like yeah. they're just, they're just baiting on that stereotype that if a dog's on a chain, it's like malnourished and terrible and like, whatever, you know what I mean? And yeah, you just got to fight that with logic. Like you just did mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and show up and vote. Yeah. Show up and vote big time, man. And, and personally, whenever I see the videos of like, Oh, this poor neglected animal or what, you know what I'm talking about? Like is some, puppy mill oh, yeah. facility where they're you know like mm-hmm. all the dogs are poorly taken care of personally now i'm not saying this is everybody in my experience every time i see the pictures and videos of that it's all dogs that are stuck inside in like wire kennels in like a garage or something they're stacked like yeah. cans you know like and they aren't out on a chain and i'm not saying they can't be taken care of poorly on a chain but like you're after the wrong people here, man. You know, like I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you could, you can keep a dog inside and do it horrible. You know, put it in a wire kennel and it never goes outside and it's sleeping on a pile of its own waste. You know, like it just to eliminate a tool to manage certain breeds where it's definitely the best option for certain breeds. That's yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, illogical. They're just trying to take it incrementally in ways that seem more palatable to somebody who has no clue. So it's your job, houndsman, whether you like it or not. If you love hound hunting, you need to be a representative and a leader for hound hunting and explain these things and always have your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. Hiding is not going to be winning. I can promise you that. So there we are. Uh, last news article we're going to bring up real quick, you guys. And this is a short one. I just wanted to bring this up. This is a, a win for conservation. I like this. But in Pennsylvania, they signed SB 431, which just makes it easier to get an antlerless deer license. So, wow, wonderful. Let's manage that population of white-tailed deer. I have never been to Pennsylvania, but I can imagine as an eastern seaboard state with uh, lots of uh, east coast action going on, there's lots of deer there, I'm assuming. And obviously, if there's an antlerless season, deer need to be managed. So good for you, Pennsylvania. And thank you, Governor Wolf. That is a win for us. And uh, I like deer hunting. I'm just going to say it. I'm not. Uh, I live in a state where there's so much public land that it's not really a problem. I feel for you eastern hunters. That's got to be tough. I was just in Texas. And every time I'm in Texas, I'm kind of sad because 
I definitely don't take my public land for granted, but uh, I feel bad if there's none. So um, good job, Pennsylvania. And thank you, Sportsman's Alliance, for bringing us good news and a win. Yeah, go team, go team. So, uh, Chad, I'm going to roll into the main meat of All Mixed Up, if you're all right with that, brother. If you've got anything else to say, go for for it it. now. So, uh, well, guys, I, uh, as I said earlier, I just, I, well, you heard it in Monday's episode, um, with Ryan, Mr. Cowboy. So, uh, Chris was talking about in the pre-roll that I was running around and I was, you guys, and I live for that kind of stuff. I love talking to people. I love meeting new people. And so, uh, I stuck my microphone in someone's face and I asked him your name and the three things you look for in a hunting terrier go bam. And I'd hit that record button. So here you guys go. Let's roll right into it. There's going to be rapid fire. They're less than four minutes a piece. Keeping it short and sweet. Let's roll. Three things you look for in a terrier. First, tell me your name. Uh, my name is David Williams. And the top three things I look for in a terrier, the first would be its hunting ability. Um, the second would probably be um, livability, like being able to live with the dog. Uh-huh. Um, what makes a dog unlivable? Constant barking in the kennel, doesn't ever stop pacing, uh, dog aggressive. Uh, those are things I don't like in a terrier. Um, or any dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, right, but it's very it's prevalent in a lot of terriers, so that's something you have to kind of be mindful of, especially when you, when you get them from people you don't know very well. And depending on the line, like a lot of the Serbian stuff can be rather dog aggressive, depending on the kennel it comes out of. Um, and third would be um, probably bit ability. Being able to like actually work with the dog to get it to do things that you want it to do and it wants to do it for you. So like a more handler oriented style of dog. I've seen, these dogs have been really trainable. I've seen around, some of them can have a good handle on them. Right, like Bruce is force fetched um, and he does hand signals and I can send him on big, multiple like big water retrieves. I did I did it all dove season. I use him on ducks, pheasants. I coon hunt with him. He's decoyed coyotes. Um, versatile. Very versatile, yeah. What is a force fetch? Oh man, I really suck at explaining this. Um, it's when you put, you like force a fetch on a dog. I mean, that's not a very good explanation, but it's it's like pressure and release. So when they're when they're when you're working with them, it's, you start with like I think more of like a hold. I've never personally done it, but you get them you you hold condition them, and then you start applying pressure when they don't want to hold it, and then you finish that into a retrieve. It's nice. kind of the best way I can do it. It's just it puts a really good polish on a natural retrieve because they're just really rock solid when it comes to retrieving at that point. Sweet. Well, thank you, David. Yeah. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Doreen Spires from Reno, Nevada. I ca- flew here with my Jack Russell Flair, better also known as Brooks Chase Spitfire, and we hunt groundhog, nutria, possum, coon in Indiana, uh, Oregon, West Virginia, New Jersey. And the thing that, just the drive and the heart. So drive, heart, nothing else. And easy to transport. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's one of my favorite things about the little guys is that they don't eat that much. Right. Yeah, I have to haul 70-pound dogs around. It's not as fun right. as these little these little fellows. My other Jack Russell is 11. She's 7. My other one's 11 and a half, and he's always called in 
to finish the job. There you go. So it's always get boomer. How long have you been hunting with terriers for? Um, well, uh, almost 20 years. Good opinion, yeah. then I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me what a nutria hunt is like. Because I'm imagining, are these little guys swimming after a nutria? No, because in the Pacific Northwest, in Oregon, where we hunt, they're in brambles. They're in they're in sides of big brambles, so you need a machete. Oh. Okay. Oh, so man. We carry a machete to get rid of the brambles, and they're just in sets. Yeah, they could be multi, multi-level So like a sets. muskrat, kind of. But they're, these are not in water, mostly. Okay. When I've hunted with them in September. Okay. It's pretty dry. Not. It's very different than hunting them in Louisiana. Oh. So, okay. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, you answered my questions fast. You just got right down to it. You know what? She's a woman who knows what she wants. <laughs> Thank you. Terrier, go ahead. So my name's Eric Fornike, and the three things I would say would be uh, attitude, um, would be strength, and I would say the four, the third would be the uh, ability to. Uh, to achieve the task, you know what I'm saying. So, whatever it might be, you're you're asking the terrier to do. What do you think whatever attitude means? Like. What what does that mean? Uh, attitude would be, in my opinion, is um, listening uh, and not, I guess, basically listening and. Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, you know, the, the attitude of the dog is, is, is their, their demeanor. You know what I'm saying? The, the demeanor of the dog. Uh, if you got a dog that's... You uh, want one like this. <laughs> well, if you got a dog that's nonstop, yeah. But no, I mean, if you got a dog that, that is not, is not uh, listening and doing what you want and just doing what it wants to yeah. do that's a bad attitude you know the dog's not I listening see. You I see. Know? So, nice uh yeah i mean i, I guess a, it could also be as the dog's not uh listening um so but yeah i mean uh and, and the, the I, I would say the most important thing would be the ability you know what I'm saying? I mean, if yeah. the dog doesn't have the ability, then... That's under the then, umbrella then, of attitude. Well, yeah. I mean, if, it, if the dog doesn't have the ability to do what you're asking it to do, then yeah. it's it's impossible for the dog to do it. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? I think so that sounds the, perfect. The ability, the ability is probably the most important, to be honest with you, because, I mean... So we'll switch our attitude it, yeah, for I ability. Would switch it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would switch it to ability, because, I mean, if you if you ask... if if I mean, I could ask you to go fight that bear but if you don't have the ability to fight the bear then that's you're talking a, about that guy in the black shirt right Right. that's just not a that's just not a, a uh, it's not gonna happen you know what i'm saying so the ability would probably be number one there you go and then then i would say i would say the uh, attitude and the so uh, downgrade yeah yeah so let's switch that up but yeah i would say definitely ability awesome. would be number one awesome thank so, you very much sir all right thank appreciate you. it go ahead my name is Richard Reynolds. Three things most important in a terrier are attitude, attitude, and attitude. 
and everything else kind of comes second. But along with that attitude, you've got to have the ability to do the job. The desire isn't enough. Yeah. So you've got to have the confirmation that goes along with that attitude. I see. Like, like? Well, you you want, for what I do, I, I do a lot of hole work. And I want a terrier that I can span because I don't want to be there digging it out three days later when it gets stuck. Or I don't want it dead. How often does that happen? Because I hear the word spanning all the time, and how often does a big dog get stuck? Often. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you can almost tell which dog it's going to be. Oh, just because of their deep chest? and Well, the deep chest and the circumference, you know? Uh, you want them springy. You want a loose skin on them so that they can move, kind of ooze through the hole. Uh <laughs> But all of that brings your dog back to you and enables it to do the job that you, you want it to. Yeah. But none of that's any good without the attitude. When you say attitude, you just mean that... Grit. Yeah. Uh, it's got to want to kill stuff. Yeah. And they don't. They definitely do. <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it does that, if it's got the attitude for you, then that covers a lot of sins. How, how important do you think biddability is in that ranking? Biddability is, is an acquired behavior. The hunting instinct is hardwired in. And my dogs aren't very biddable, the yacht terriers. In fact, they're a pain in the ass. <laughs> But uh, it, it, I, I don't think it's, it's important, it, not nearly so important as the, the desire of the dog to do the job and do it right and to, to keep on going no matter what. Uh, and that grit is, is hard to find and to balance it with the confirmation is even harder yet. Yes, sir. That's what we're breeding for. Yeah. How long you've been running terriers? Since the '60s, so you have a good a, a good opinion, a good wealth of. Well, knowledge. I've hunted them. Uh, <laughs> I had a pack of foxhounds, and I hunted. I got into them with with the foxhounds, so I kept twenty some odd Jack Russells to work with the hounds. I got you. Now I'm into whatever I need to hunt with, uh, which is Bedlingtons for, for coursing and lurchers and the yak terriers for what we loosely call kill dogs and, and dachshunds for uh, whole dogs to locate the core. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So everybody's a specialist in doing what they're doing, but yeah. the thing that they have in common is the desire to do it. Yes, sir. I like that. That's a great answer. I think that's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> tell me your name and tell me three things you look for in a terrier. Uh, Rigo Garcia, I like determination in terriers, drive, and uh, overall smartness, I guess. What does that mean? Uh, being able to have a good hand on them and not just be stupid all the time. Yeah. <laughs> determination, never give up. Yeah. Well, thank you, Rigo. Yes, sir. King Terrier. Uh, my name is Jacob Zachary. I look for drive, brains. 
brains. Um, and then the, being put together, the right confirmation, being put together right so they can do what we need them to. What is being put together right? Uh, depends on your situation. Uh, that being said, what, your for, situation? Me, yeah. for me, I like a dog with more leg that's going to be a faster dog. Um, coat that's not going to be a ton of work because I live in the south so I don't need a big fuzzy dog that's going to really stay warm in fact most of the time we deal with more of the opposite we need a dog that'll stay cool so uh, that's what I look for uh like I said, I'm uh, life's too short to own a slow dog. Also, that's what so. I've been <laughs> my definition of slow is a little different. Than yeah, yours. yeah. <laughs> so there you anyway. go. Drive. What? What? Uh, that seems to be a very common answer around here. <laughs> so, what does a dog that lacks drive look like to you? Um, won't get to the game. Um, at whether or not it engages, I don't. Depending on the dog, I can I can deal with either a dog that's real hard and wants to engage, or a dog that's soft and wants to bay. Both are useful. They're just different tools. Gotcha. Um, I just want a dog that either way it wants to get there. You know, I need get there, locate, get get close. Get to, in the zone. Yeah, getting get in tight. That being said, it, I don't need one that's going to catch out on every pig. Gotcha. So, so you're mostly what's your what, what game are you hunting most? Most of the time we're running. Honestly, most if you just pure numbers, mine are picking up more birds than anything. Retrieving. Uh, yeah, retrieving more than anything. But uh, we hunt coons, other varmints. Um, we got on some pig. We get on some pigs here and there. But um, I don't have a catch dog. So unless we get a catch dog with us, I try not to get on pigs because. Uh, with because 20, they weigh with, eight pounds. With <laughs> twenty pound dogs, you need them all to work together, and that rarely happens. So yeah. pigs are uh, pigs are a really badass animal. I mean, yeah. you need to be giving them respect. That's a, that's a North American rhino. Yeah, absolutely. So yep, yep, yeah. We we, we uh, had one in the back of a horse trailer once, and we left it in there, and we went pig hunting. We came back, and it had peeled the floorboards up and escaped out the bottom. Yep. And I was just blown away at their power. I was like, dang. So, well, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. What? Now tell me. Angela Richmond, and then I, I go drive, and then confirmation. And then what? Personality. Okay. Yeah. I so, like certain. I like because I got twenty dogs. I like them to get along somewhat. How long you been hunting terriers? Uh, Jack Russell's twenty, about uh, ten years, and now I got American Bulldogs. We've been doing about eight years. A little different. Mm -hmm. A little different in size, but about the same personality. Same personality, right? <laughs> yes, sir. They yeah, are. so a lot of people say drive. What do you think a, a good driven dog acts like? Psycho. Yeah. Is there very go. psycho? Yeah, I got, uh, well, one of my Jack Russells I brought, uh, she's three years old, and so she was chasing mops and brooms at five weeks old. So a lot of them won't do that till they're 10, 11 weeks old. So we I immediately picked her out of the litter right then. I got you. Yeah. So here's my question. Drive is your most important. You want psycho, but then personality is number three. Break that down for me. Well, the drive, I like the drive because uh, if they've got a lot of drive, then they're not scared to get on something. Okay. But I want them to have a good personality, so that's kind of like my last thing. I want well confirmation for breeding. Okay. But then I want the personality in their last because cause you can always kind of build the personality. If you've got yes, a shy dog, you can build it up a little bit. Or if you got one that's a little too driven, you can kind of pull them back a little bit. Gotcha. But I want the drive as my main thing if I you're going to hunt them. If we're just good uh, working dogs, all-around dogs, we go for personality first. I see. And so are they easy keepers, you think? or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. pretty easy keepers. They mellow out when it's not time. Cause I, I see a lot of crazy dogs around here, but they're hyped up. This is a very stimulating yes. environment. Uh, now I've got. She's she's not an easy keeper. She's got a high. I ended up getting her because she was killing people's chickens. 
Ah. So, because she's got such a high drive. You know, I've kids. heard that uh, several times already today as well. They were yes. killing X animal. You know what yes. I mean? Yes, and she will get a dog or whatever. And I have a male at home, though, and he's just a lay. When you're not do- hunting, lay on the couch with you, lay around, stuff like that. She's not that nature. What's your favorite animal to hunt with your dogs? We hunt pigs a lot of times, tracking, blood tracking. So, okay, this is where I'm... Pigs with little dogs, that's where I'm still at the... At the crossroads here, they, they don't know dogs, they're little, you know, and that people, yeah, that's they think a, they're a bulldog. <laughs> yeah. They do. They think they're a bulldog. Well, you got the bulldogs to back them up, <laughs> and we do. We have the American bulldogs to back them up. So awesome. We, well, but we mainly use ours for blood tracking. Okay. Yeah. Stuff. So we, they're good at it. Yes, they're good at, it, but they will get off track where the Jack Russells will stay on track a little bit more. Really? Mm-hmm. So if she sees a critter, it's a. It's a <laughs> my Jack Russells will stay focused, a little bit more focused. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So why a terrier over like a traditional scenting breed? <laughs> So I like terriers. You just like that? Just, you like that? Yes, I like that. <laughs> My husband said, couldn't you have raised hedgehogs? <laughs> yeah, I, I raise greyhounds, and uh, they're the opposite of this. I mean, they're just, they're chill. Oh, really? I wouldn't oh, have that. Oh, they're so chill. They sleep like, they sleep like 20 hours a day. Oh, see, I've always known the greyhounds for the racing, so I figured they were kind of a little bit more schizo, too. 45 mile an hour couch potato, right? That's all. They chill <laughs> until it's time. They see rabbit. Hey, let's go chase that. And then where is the couch? Oh, that's the thing. So I got six and, uh, well, I have seven dogs. I have four, four sight hounds, and they're just cool as a cucumber. I would have figured if somebody had asked me on a greyhound, I'd have been like, no, they're going to be psycho like these, wanting to no, run all the time. No, 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 no. My house is quiet all the oh, time oh not mine they chase each other over the furniture <laughs> well i got some salukis that are kind of crazy but still sighthounds are very mellow so well thank you very much yes thank you i've got a guy terrier what tell me your name <laughs> and the three things you like to look for in a hunting terrier uh, my name is travis hire um, the first thing i look forward in a hunting terrier is drive it's very important that they're very prey driven uh, second thing I look for is um, resilience. I want that dog to handle tough game and keep at it and not back down and not come out. And after all these years of hunting terriers, the last thing I want is durability. Mm, because a dog that, That's the first time I've heard that. Because a dog that uh, doesn't have durability, you're going to spend as much time getting him healed up as you are hunting him breakdown durability what is a durable dog is it physical mental or both it's both a durable dog is a dog that can tackle a badger and the next day you know even though he's stiff and sore he wants to keep coming back he's he's wanting to keep going but also on the physical aspect you know that's where the confirmation comes in that's making sure that you know he's got good heavy bone he's got uh, good muscle structure you're keeping him in shape and he's got uh, good jaw structure and good teeth so he can keep performing nice. at top level. That kind of rolls into confirmation sort of then. It does, absolutely does. Confirmation mixed with heart. Mm-hmm. I like that. What, what primarily are you hunting with your terriers? Um, well, I deal with three main things with my terriers. I deal with badgers, I deal with raccoons, and I deal a lot with, with skunks skunks mm-hmm. oh my these are not indoor dogs no no <laughs> and, and, that, and that's because I'm, i manage a, i manage a hunting preserve so if it eats a pheasant i have to handle it and gotcha. i make sure that the skunk populations are down so my wild bird egg populations are up this is what i love about these kinds of events working for this show i have met so many interesting diverse people here i have never heard anyone say i manage for pheasants that is amazing using dogs to protect 
to manage a pheasant area. This is is this some northern plains stuff? No, this is southwest Idaho. It's a 300-acre uh, hunting preserve, and uh, on it I grow uh, alfalfa, sorghum, uh, drought-resistant corn that's pretty short, and then just a lot of natural weeds like kochia, uh, Russian olive, etc. for huh. habitat. Interesting. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I hear I hear drive very much. I think that's definitely on the top of the list for a lot of people. Describe a driven dog. Driven dog, um, start looking for that at a puppy stage. And that's the one that he's got his head up, um, he's out looking, he's not wanting to stay close by. Um, and then as he gets older, he starts putting that head down and start following tracks, following scents. And uh, it's, it's not the wallflower, it's, it's the dog that's, every time you put him in down, face. in your face, going. And he's he's the he's the one that I'm looking for. Um, I've got lap dogs for lap dog purposes. Um, my terriers are working dogs, so when I put them out of the box, they need to be out moving. They need to go find him. They need to get him killed. I came to this trial thinking I was going to find a lap dog, and I'm not finding any here. <laughs> you know, it's I will say that I've been pleasantly surprised. You know, made a long drive from Idaho to get here. And I have not seen a single dog that I'd call a lap dog. <laughs> Ever, even, even some very, very well-groomed Jack Russells that were here, um, you know, they did well. I they saw one muscled-up-looking well. Jack Russell that looked pretty dang good to me. He's pretty tough. I like that kind of dog. I like a velvety, smooth-skinned, ripped dog. But I could be a little biased. You're, you're a little biased, and <laughs> I will say that your dogs are about as ripped as I've ever seen on a dog. <laughs> they better be. They better be. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yep. Um, Roy Fairby, three things I look for in a hunting terrier are tenacity, brains, and confirmation. Breakdown, confirmation. Um, confirmation, structure, um, just the overall build, um, angles, top lines, teeth, bite, um, head structure, tail set. Um, I believe with form comes function. Okay. What are you hunting primarily? Um, well, nowadays, with my terriers, it's uh, kind of a mixed bag. It's mostly coons and armadillos and possums. Armadillos. Armadillos. First time I've heard armadillos of this entire trial. <laughs> Break down an armadillo hunt. <laughs> uh, well, it's like trying to stop a linebacker with a mouse. Uh, <laughs> um, they're a heavily armored critter, um, so that is their number one defense, that and running. Um, Wait, 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 wait. Running? Yes, they absolutely run. They put their head down and they'll go through center of bushes, briar patches. So they're about like a like a little rhino more than they're like a running yeah, machine. Yeah, actually that is a good analogy. A rhino is pretty close to it. Um, they put their head down and they go. Um, typically they already have their hole in their head or where they want to go. Um, so a lot of it is getting them beat before they get to their hole. Um, a terrier drawing an armadillo out of a hole is probably one of the harder things I've seen done. Is that true? <laughs> um, I'm a 200 pound man and I can barely pull one out of a hole. What makes it so hard? Do they just claw in? Um, they can really set in. They got some claws and they're always moving away. Um, they don't they don't engage um, like say a raccoon does. Okay. So they're constantly just trying to get away and evade. Mm -hmm. So you're either playing catch up or you're just trying to stop them where they're at. Okay, I'm going to ask the obvious question because this is what everyone's thinking. 
You ever caught one that just rolled up into a ball and sit there? Absolutely not. Okay, so they are hauling ass. They run. Um, <laughs> absolutely, they run. Okay. I have yet to get one to stop and roll up. <laughs> or go down a hill rolling. <laughs> uh, nope. Um, they run. They put their head down and they go. Awesome. Um, I didn't start out with the intention of hunting armadillos with terriers. It came out of a necessity because they dig up my wife's garden. <laughs> and happy wife, happy life. Armadillos. <laughs> so we, uh, I, I set terriers on them. There you go. There you go. How do they eat? I couldn't tell you. They make, <laughs> I've heard they make good soup bowls and uh, CIA <laughs> <Soup> helmets. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it first here on the Poundsman XP podcast when the CIA is watching you, the Illuminati is looking for you. Put your armadillo Get your on. armadillo helmets out. You'll come to the Terrier Trials to get started with some armadillo dogs. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, sir. I appreciate hey, thank it. Thank you. Terrier. Uh, off switch, drive, and handler connectivity. Who are you? My name is Tyler Sladen. How long have you been hunting Terriers? I've had Terriers eight, eight nine years now. Off switch is something I haven't heard. I, I heard uh, personality. Did break down off switch for me. I want a dog that when I grab the keys or the collars, it knows what's up. I want a dog that when it's in the truck, it knows what's up. And I want a dog that when a track collar is sitting on its neck, it knows it knows what we're doing. I don't I don't like them when they're just all go, no no chill. Uh, life's too short to live with a dog that's a pain in the ass. <laughs> Do you keep this dog in the house with you? Yeah. So that's really important. Yeah, so I've got 15 dogs. My yags all live inside. Oh, wow. So I see. I see. So is there anything... What, what, what animal do you hunt the most, do you think? Uh, quail, mostly. And then probably right below that would be rabbits and raccoon. Quail. <clears throat> Break that down. So Fetching, hunt. I'm assuming? Yeah, so they'll they'll honor a pointing dog and then they'll flush on command for the pointing dogs yeah and then uh that's crazy and then they'll go in and retrieve because i just imagine this animal is just go 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 so that it'll honor a pointer is actually really rad to hear yeah so if they see a dog go on point they'll they'll sit how hard is that to train it takes time (laughs) it's not that it's hard it just takes a lot of repetition Mm -hmm. you think they're a trainable animal the ones i have yeah that and that's the ones that tend to have the off switch tend to have a lot more biddability to them. So I like when they're I like when they're biddable. I like when they've got an off switch. I like when they've got a brain. Um, it's not everyone's dog, but it's the dogs I like. So. I interviewed an earlier gentleman who was talking about a force fetch. Do you think it's pretty easy to teach them to retrieve? <clears throat> uh, most have a natural retrieve there, so a force fetch just polishes it. So like Mouse and Aja, they've they've been they've been through Aja's going through a force fetch and Mouse has been through one, so they they respond well to it. They understand. They they react to pressure fine. They don't shut down. How long have you been running terriers? Uh, eight nine years. Awesome. Well, thank you, bud. Appreciate that. Appreciate you. Tell me your name Ashton. and the three things you look for in a hunting terrier. Shoot. I don't like being put on spot. My name is Ashton. Um, three things I look for. Confidence, curiosity, and prey drive. Okay. So what animal do you uh, do you hunt? Um, kind of anything that likes to take chickens. So. <laughs> <laughs> Another very possum. common answer yes. around here, actually. <laughs> I got this dog because it kills chickens. That's that's I've heard that quite often. So, um, where do you think those three things fit into the game 
I'm assuming raccoons primarily. Mm -hmm. yep. Those three things, how do you think they fit into a good raccoon hunting terrier? Um, confidence, curiosity to, you know, go into the den. The prey drive to push through those more nervous areas. Um, really just a dog that doesn't want to quit. Prey drive is yeah. in there too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You like to go in there and just whoop a coon? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I would like them to do most of the work. What, br but... what brought you here today? Um, Just to see what one puppy can do. How old's your puppy? Eight months old. There you go. Just a little fella. Yep. Hey, you, yep. you going to put in the hog bay? There you go. Going to toss her in there. We're going to hope that confidence, <laughs> curiosity, and prey drive pays off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. Appreciate What's it. What's your name? My name is Blaine. Uh, top three things I look for in a hunting terrier. Uh, one is uh, drive. Uh, two, uh, being able to control them, obviously. Uh, you know, a drive has a lot to do with that, but you want to be able to have control of them. Uh, three, uh, being able to... Uh, be, being good with other, other dogs some of them you know can have that problem and you want to be able to you want a dog that's uh can hunt with other dogs what game are you primarily hunting uh hogs hogs yep so do you want a terrier that bays or catches uh this mine chiso he uh he catches how uh, does that work uh he i mean i know physically how it works but what happens when a dog that weighs 10 pounds grabs onto a 200 pound boar He's honestly pretty good at going after the smaller pigs. Okay, so he's smart. He, he's, he's pretty <laughs> smart, and uh, and I try to stay on him best I can. Uh, if, if he bites off a little more than chew, I, I, I'm pretty good at I can call him off. So I just talked to a guy who's been hunting with terriers for 50 years, oh, wow. and he gave one of his three things was being able to have that drive, but also not being a dog aggressive. So yep. maybe you're on to something here. <laughs> uh, why a terrier for hunting pigs and not a more traditional larger breed? Uh, honestly, I, I picked the terrier. I mean, not not just for its hunting ability, but just its its versatility. Uh, it's smaller, compact dog that I can take with me. I I kayak a lot. I put him on my kayak. Yeah. He, not so, so much with a 130 pound no, running catch no, dog. No. <laughs> I do love the portability of these little guys. Yeah, yeah, they're very portable and versatile. They they can do just about anything you want them to i'm gonna ask a question i haven't asked anybody out here but where did you get that yeah there's a he, this guy's got the coolest tent ever it looks like a big teepee behind yeah me. so uh this cowboy up in idaho makes these it's a j bar d canvas and leather he makes teepees and bedrolls this is badass yeah we're I, gonna get a I've selfie had, with this thing yeah, afterwards yeah, yeah 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 i've had it for about three years i take it with me everywhere four season What's like that? a four-season tent? Oh, pretty, yeah. Pretty oh, good yeah. in the super yeah, cold? It, it rained all night last night, and it kept me dry. You, you ever puff the peace pipe in this thing? <laughs> maybe, maybe a time or two. Yeah, <laughs> all right. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> that, this thing is awesome. I saw this tent, and I was like, I got to go talk to the teepee guy. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I appreciate it, but yeah, thank you. Yeah. How many times do you hound doggers catch yourself thinking about an awesome hunt you had or retelling this great story with family and friends around the dinner table, and all you have to remember that moment is some terrible cell phone picture, or worse, no picture at all. Well, Houndsman XP has partnered with Rough Cut Company to help solve your problem and make beautiful pieces of art to remember for all time your experiences in the field. 
Rough Cut Company is an American-owned and American-made business in Wisconsin that specializes in custom, unique photo engravings on hardwood that are framed to any picture you want. They also do customizable antler dog chews and even beautiful, unique antler rings from their own red deer in Wisconsin. Rough Cut Company can do pretty much anything you ask. Their customer service is second to none. Give them a look at roughcutcompany.com. And when you check out, make sure you check out with HXP 10% off to get a discount on your final purchase. Check them out, you guys, and support people that support houndsmen and help keep us in the field and remembering those times forever. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that was enjoyable. <laughs> God, that was a lot of people, man. Yeah, and many more to come. I'm just going to say that right now off the bat. Many more to come. I did not want to cram them all into this episode. I wanted to keep it light and fast. So uh, we got a lot more to come. And patrons, stay tuned because there's going to be even more content. What's happening in my world, I forgot to say, you guys, I'm heading back to Texas. Um, when this airs, I'll be there. And I'm going to be blood trailing with some a really cool fan of the show who reached out to me. I'm looking forward to that, you guys. More new stuff in the holster. Can't wait to check that out. And so, um, well, I'll be checking it out as you listen. So stay tuned, patrons. There's going to be sweet videos of that coming up. And uh, I'll definitely be talking about it next month's show. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I say let's close this out, Chad. And <clears throat> I want to close out every episode with this thought in mind. I was thinking about that while I was driving around the desert. I want to close out every episode with something that you cannot get off your mind. What's something that's been on your mind lately, Chad, that you uh, you just can't stop thinking about? Oh, gosh, man. It can be anything. Yeah, <laughs> I know it could be anything. And I even had a few things in mind. But, I, like, while trying to think of, you know, some things were just right there. I, it keeps going back to getting this Falcon in order. I, I cannot possibly wait to get, <laughs> to get this bird back in the sky chasing the dogs. And that's that's – that's all I'm thinking about, man. Like we're days away. And it seems like every time I'm like almost ready, the the, the weather will do something wild and I'll miss it. And like the next 48 hours I'll, I'll, I'll be out there. So, but until then that's, man, that's all, that's all I think about all day. You know, as it's on your mind. Yeah. That's <laughs> about it, man. How about you? I'm going to be honest with you. Mm. I just finished a great book and I cannot stop thinking about this book. It has nothing to do with hound hunting, but if you guys like great articles, or I'm sorry, if you like great books about philosophy, there's an author, his name is Yuval Noah Harari. He's an Israeli dude. He has wrote three books that I'm aware of, four books, but the book I just finished that seriously, I finished it for the second time. The first time I listened to it all the way through on Audible, and I wanted to do it again to kind of absorb it because there's so much going on. The book is called 21 Lessons for the 21st century. And it's all of the things that these big topics that are facing us now, but strictly through a philosophical lens. He doesn't take any political sides. He's not predicting anything like some kind of spinster. He's mm -hmm. just teaching you how to look at all these crazy relevant issues for the 21st century with a big picture lens, teaching you how to think, not what to think. And I really, really like that. He just gives you the nuance of how to step back and look at these really complex 
and really charge situations just more thoroughly. And I really like that. It teaches you how to be a more thoughtful, calm, and just overall nuanced thinker. And I think disengaging our monkey, like emotional side is, is a skill that takes time. And like, I'm a really energetic, active dude who can be really brash and like make moves without really being thoughtful. And in the last 10 years, I've really been trying to uncouple that. And when somebody proposes an idea to me, no matter how charged to sit back and try to analyze the nuance as best as I can. But anyway, wonderful book. I literally cannot stop thinking about it. What's so it Mr. Harari, if you're listening to Houndsman XP podcast, I want your autograph, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's it called? I, I heard all about it. What's the book called? Oh, I said it. You weren't listening. <laughs> oh, I was so it's listening. 21 Lessons for the 21st Century you by Yuval Noah Harari. You did so check it out. It's a great book. All right. <laughs> Everybody could benefit from that book, I feel. But anyway, that's what I can't stop thinking about. Also, and I'm just going to say it right now. If you were to ask me this question oh, four days ago, by looking at your webcam, it would have been how you're the craziest dude I've been around in a long time because you have your own dog taxidermy right behind you. And you're crazy. <laughs> oh, you, you saw that, did you? Right there. Yes, I saw it. How could I miss it? Break <laughs> down the story of how you have not one, but two of your dogs taxidermied in your living room. Uh, well, I got uh, uh, hog hunted. Crazy. And I, I've still only lost uh, one dog to a pig ever, you know? Uh, and and none to bear or lion i've you know i've had issues with uh, vehicles you know i've had issues with you know heat but i've never you know i've only ever lost one one dog to you know to a predator to big game and uh that was one and we caught a very nice pig an incredible pig and uh we caught looking at him yeah he (laughs) caught it and uh and uh he got he got cut and he passed um and uh i talked to my taxidermist and he says just put him in the freezer, you know, I'll take it from there. And, uh, he got mounted catching the pig he caught. And that's what that is. That's, that's my dog. That's my Yag Terrier Kansas there that, <laughs> that is mounted catching the pig that he, he, he passed on right there. And, uh, you're crazy, dude. Yeah. And then above <laughs> it, above it is, uh, you know, three of my biggest hogs, some of the biggest hogs I caught right over there. And, uh, they're Euro mounted. And there, there's also a, you know, a skull from one of the a a, a dog that passed uh, uh, from a from a heat casualty, and uh, uh, she's Euro mounted up there too. That's that's Ricky in Kansas right there. I, I got him with me in the living room. Yeah, I uh, I think I would just cry my eyes out if I had pronto taxidermy. So you're more of a man than I am. I'm just gonna admit <laughs> that right off the bat. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to post a picture of that up on the. Uh, up on the uh facebook page uh, on the social on our social media pages that i map. agree so you know so i'll throw that up I there guys fully so agree. Gets what i'm talking about uh they're, they're pretty neat i'm kind of proud of them i like looking at them that's for sure <laughs> uh, yeah but, well i did too and when you showed me your pictures on your phone my jaw dropped and i i was just like this guy is a beast like <laughs> but, yeah. anyway hey chad if you got anything to add to it brother go ahead and if not close us out brother no i don't i don't think yeah yeah we'll be we'll be talking again here soon about you know some of this stuff that this 
think I've got everything else I got out there. So can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. We got a bunch of cool stuff coming up for you. I promise, you know, can't wait, you know, um, but uh, uh, that's all for me from now. So let's, uh, let's hunt them hard and treat them like heroes. Boom. And if you heard me smash my mic, it's because I just threw my arms up. I'll catch you all later, everybody. Can't wait to see you all again soon. Peace.